Hello, everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan, also called H. You call me Sonic the Hedgehog. Gotta go fast. That's Q. Yeah. And what we wanted to uh, to open up with is just something that's really been on our minds and on our hearts lately. It's just that, you know, when they started talking about a Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie, we got perhaps rightfully worried because we'd seen Sonic interpreted in so many different ways by so many different artists all on DeviantArt. And it's just, you know, it's it's <laughs> troubling to think with a budget and with uh, apparently the hands-off approach that the Sonic creative team takes to uh, to managing their property, uh, what would result on the other end? What kind of Frankenstein monster would we be seeing? But um, I think that we can probably speak for the whole community in saying that uh, we are bowled over by just how perfectly this this representation captures and i i know that we saw the silhouette months ago and we thought it looks good now but there's a lot still hiding in the shadows and man when we saw the full illuminated sonic it did not disappoint no he's hairy like you want him to be Harry and the hair looks just kind like of a like, real hedgehog, right? Exactly, covered with hair. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, he's exactly, and the hair is coarse, almost like he's, he's kind of soaked in coconut oil. And mm-hmm. you can imagine this in my uh, personal Sonic fanfic forum that I'm a member of, like th- through the roof. We're like so happy about this. We're so happy to see Sonic finally have kind of a true pelvic region. Um, it's just going to clarify. It's going to kind of like backstop a lot of the fiction that's already been written. Mm-hmm. And just honestly, it's going to answer questions, which is what I appreciate. I really love how he's given the obviously the the big disproportionate head, which you need to kind of like telegraph that it is Sonic, you know, for the people who aren't the hardcore fans who are going to pick up on the, the smaller details. But um, the, the fact that they gave him the real human like arms and legs, I think just... Um, is really just the the cream on top of the the pie there. It really, there's something that's almost sensual about this beautiful hedgehog that they've created. And the fact that they chose to debut the, the look that will define an entire generation of Sonic, and I, I really hope it does because I can't wait to see the spinoff games that are based on the movie. <laughs> just getting to control this version of the hedgehog for myself instead of the inferior versions that have come before the many many inferior versions that have come before is, um, isn't that they Sonic. chose to debut this entirely new design with uh, what looks to the surf what looks on the surface like really terrible photoshop illustrations um just really goes <laughs> to show that they knew that even with the seemingly pretty mediocre quality of the illustrations that they were presenting us the the sheer strength of des- of the design would shine through yeah. and would uh, really kind of impress upon the world. This is the new Sonic the Hedgehog, and this is the the Sonic that you've all been asking and waiting for. If you can cut this together um, to make us sound like we really love it, that would be interesting to me as well. So, uh, and that's not a challenge for you, H. That's a challenge for the listeners. Take this audio, make it seem like I really love this thing, uh, that H really loves it. I'll give you some phrases. Here you go. Wow, that's big and blue. And maybe another one like, it's a little sexy. <laughs> there you go. So that's kind of emphatic 
I think you could drop that in and, you know, who who knows where it'll appear. Maybe you just start a soundboard. Anyways, you know, before we get completely off track and before, well, by off track, I mean, get to the actual point of the recording. <laughs> I, I did want to highlight that uh, out of sheer curiosity, I went on to the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter feed today, which I don't follow, but is frequently recommended to me via the Twitter sidebar, which... um makes questionable choices on good days, but uh, I was not disappointed by what I find. The most recent video was Knuckles the Echidna, uh, or at least a person in a big knuckle suit, uh, mixing a non-alcoholic mocktail. <laughs> so there you go. Something for all the Sonic fans out there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's even stranger than you can imagine. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to some video game pitches today. I think that I will kick us off this afternoon this beautiful Thursday afternoon by um, by giving us a hero that is truly worthy of our time, our time meaning our era, not necessarily the time we devote to actually designing it because it, uh, mm. well, we'll see. Uh, but anyways, this is a superhero who kind of can shape shift into all sorts of different types of creatures and maybe even inanimate objects, you know, kind of Wonder Twins style. And uh, But you don't actually get to play the hero that is beating up all the bad guys and going on the adventures. You play as the moment that he is shape-shifting, and basically it goes into like a slow-mo, x-ray style uh, view of his mm-hmm. insides, and you have to find a way to pack his guts and bones and stuff into the smaller creatures that he's transforming into, or spread them out if it's a bigger creature. And so it's up to you, as the god who oversees shapeshifting, to pack those guts in. So, uh, let's go ahead and start the clock. This reminds me of... I would always end up inevitably getting transformer toys as a kid Mm -hmm. as you know boys are one to get even though i didn't really love the transformers (laughs) every time i got one i think i was able to successfully turn like the car into robot but getting the robot to turn back into car felt like man i did i just put the legs back in the wrong place or were the legs last or were they first so Mm. i i imagine something about this game can feel like that sort of nasty folding like if you didn't quite remember what order it all happens or something like that then there's there's a way to kind of like have that be almost a memory puzzle and like the escalation of difficulty as you transform into smaller and smaller and potentially cuter and cuter things like a turning into a bunny then all of a sudden like (laughs) that becomes like a massive challenge level because you got to find weird and crazy places and basically as far as i'm concerned Anywhere in the bunny goes, you know, you can pack the intestines into the ears if you can squish them in there, just whatever it takes to get all those guts contained. Perfect. And if you, if you <laughs> uh, lose a level, if you uh, don't beat it in the allotted amount of time that it takes to transform, then essentially your character just explodes guts everywhere and uh, whatever kind of bank robbery is trying to stop, they all just kind of uh, stop and look and laugh at you. I imagine the sort of black and white wasted screen from a Grand Theft Auto uh, appearing. (laughs) So let's let's play with like the requirements of what it means to take over a thing. It's probably like if there are, let's say, at minimum five points of 
articulation on a body. The mm -hmm. five, you know, two arms, two legs, a head. You have to like get those in a particular position in the new object. So sometimes oh, that's it is, interesting. it's like relatively straightforward. Like, okay, I know where the like head and legs and stuff are of a bunny. But if something maybe is missing one of those appendages or is like ultra sized or like, what do you do for a rock? You got to kind of tuck them all neatly into each other. So maybe you get almost like a, a control that I imagine looks a lot like a sort of sticky, like, well, you know, those little characters that would like slide down a window by like flipping or whatever they're made of just <laughs> yeah. sticky. Yeah. Something like that where they're kind of sticking and flipping and crunching and folding and a sort of, I want to hear like bones shatter and stuff too, like really <laughs> gross. Yeah. That's interesting. If we are thinking about kind of transforming into living creatures, then maybe you have to consider the functionality of certain parts as well. You have to put the arm joints into the arm of the creature. Um, you have to put the brain where the brain should belong, you know, just certain things that ground certain aspects of the um the reconfiguration recon that you're going through uh, to make sure that you have at least some boundaries you can't just squish anything anywhere and so it becomes kind of like a puzzle game almost like those um those inventory screens in the resident evil games where you have to fit everything the best that they can almost when you're using like a 3d program there's ways that like when you start to bend a character joints start popping out and going around and going crazy uh -huh. i imagine there must be some like fail state or is it just a matter of like is this almost a comedy of errors like in in your mind well i i kind of like both i mean there would be a failure state in which you couldn't get everything to where it would fit within the body within the amount of time that's uh, been allotted to you and then you know everything would just explode everywhere essentially um but um yeah, maybe if you don't do a good job, but you do manage to fit everything in, then you get to watch this funny fight scene in which the hero just has a really awful time of trying to control his own body. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I almost want to do the, like, super hot thing where after your transformation is finished, you watch it back in, like, very, in, like, real time, essentially. Okay, I'm folding in. I'm taking these shapes. Like, what is the challenge for me of uh, of getting dramatically smaller or dramatically larger? Is there something interesting there? Well, I mean, the the small aspect of this, I think, is pretty obvious. Just the the puzzle of trying to fit everything together. But um, when it becomes large, maybe you have to think about like actually making sure that all of the different parts of the body are somewhat taken care of like you can't just keep everything in one little corner of the body because then the rest of it would uh if you think about this maybe like um banjo kazooie nuts and bolts how every block can kind of conduct electricity or can or can uh transmit the power of an engine oh. to anything that's on the other end so maybe you need all of the parts to essentially stretch throughout the entire body. Otherwise portions of it will lose blood flow and then you'll get gangrene or something. I don't know what happens when you restrict blood flow. <laughs> um, what? Okay. That's cool. What if we go like almost WarioWare speed on like how you have to set the transformation and then suddenly you're in a situation where you have to just kind of, 
like maybe you're watching this cool almost kaiju-esque like fight scene play out or whatever so you're almost watching the slick cutscene of a hero fighting and then it's like oh the hero gets knocked out of their you know whatever they're possessing or whatever they've transformed into and then they got to transform into something else and in that moment you have to quickly kind of oh i'm gonna fold it and tuck it like like a piece of dough that i expect to rise or something Mm -hmm. based on like your results Essentially, you could do something where now the next like fight scene plays out, and if you hooked the body parts up wrong, it looks just really silly. <laughs> so like you can yeah. be wrong, but it's just kind of like, yeah, and it's in service of doing something really rather ridiculous. Yeah, I think that that makes it uh, makes it pretty fun. Um, you know, I. I the way that I picture it is just like you are in control in these brief moments, but maybe there's some sort of control that you can take outside of it. If you are managing the hero or choosing which battles to engage in and which ones not to, uh, just to give you something else to do to kind of mix it up. And so then maybe you are tasked with identifying the objects in the environment um, that you wish to transform into and then kind of Ah. see how those work against your particular enemy in kind of a rock, paper, scissors fashion. Yeah, that's cool. So you kind of like go and you try and transform into things, but you have to make the decisions in the spur of the moment. And really, so what you're doing is you're trying to string along a proper fight for the hero, but just kind of letting yourself make mistakes along the way. Or maybe it's a, um, maybe transforming into something, kind of throwing your soul into something, kind of a ghost trick is like a way of evading an otherwise fatal blow. I'm not really sure because you would need to be able to transform back into a human. So if you are a shapeshifter, you're not actually like possessing things in the environment. Yeah. Maybe there's that sort of quick, almost like, um, Oh, what's the game I'm thinking of? Uh, snipper clips, like a button Mm -hmm. to kind of like, (laughs) and like pop yourself back into a more normal shape very quickly so you can reset. Yeah. Yeah. Human shape. This would be kind of ideal as a stealth game as well, where you're just trying to sneak around, transforming into things you see in the environment and just trying to pack your guts in there. And maybe as if you like pack correctly into an object, you can remember it better next time. So the next time you go to transform (laughs) into it, you get something of a head start or your body sort Mm. of half rotates and like positions itself correctly into the angle. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Anyways, we're uh, just about out of time on that one. Let's go ahead and come up with a name, see what we can accomplish here. This is going to be a bit tricky, I think. (laughs) Or the word squish rhymes with wish. There has to be... Something. Squ- I mean, Squishmaster is pretty good. Squishmaster, Squishman, Squishman Crothers. Be careful what you squish for. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. Be careful what you squish for. <laughs> <laughs> There's a comical element about that name. It's a little sexy. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on uh, to what you're pitching today. What are you bringing us? Wow, that's big and blue. So my pitch this week can be graphically styled all the way up from a 3D, um, maybe telltale style quality uh, sort of look all the way down to a, you know, hazy postmodern pixel art game. But Mm -hmm. I would like to have a game where you play a supernatural 
bartender who runs a bar um, and maybe you even design your own little bartender so you can make it look like whoever you want. Patrons come into your bar and anybody that orders a drink, you can kind of choose as you hand them a drink to possess them or take over their body. Um, and as you, as that transaction ensues, and maybe there's whole rounds where you're like serving drinks and you kind of are making your decision about who you're going to take over that night. But then each night, um, you get to play a little story, a little vignette about what that person's life is. And each time you have to kind of maybe pick up in meteorists where they were leaving off. Maybe somebody, uh, they have a friend there that they were having conversations with, or they're supposed to meet someone. Um, and you get to kind of piece together their night. Um, and then of course, when they lay their head down to sleep, uh, it all starts over again. Mm, okay. All right. Starting the clock. When you say that it all starts over, is this like the same day, like a groundhog day scenario, or is it just another day and another set of customers? I'm thinking that it could be another day and another set of customers, but maybe to control scope or to make this even more uh, fathomable, you need to kind of <laughs> uh, really dial it in. But I, yeah, I like the idea of shooting big. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of um, how much control do you have over the person when you kind of enter their their consciousness, or are you just kind of an observer and watching the night unfold? I was thinking about. Maybe it, and maybe this is a visual reference too, but I imagined it feeling kind of similar to an oxen free um, in the way that you're, you can move along in the environment at sort of uh, maybe a little bit more deliberate pace, but also you find yourself being able to respond to people and have conversations, make decisions, and even like initiate uh, particular actions and directions by yourself. So... You know, one night you might find out, you know, somebody's involved in some serious stuff. Another night might just be like an interesting tale. Maybe some nights are like just straight up boring and maybe most people are boring. And that's the point of the <laughs> That's the point of the game in a way. Does every story have to be kind of self-contained? Are there kind of bleed over narratives that would kind of cross between multiple people? How do you envision this happening? I like that idea. The especially if there's some sort of meta where you are meta, like I'm talking about League of Legends or something, but mm -hmm. there's <laughs> there's some extra layer where maybe throughout the course of multiple people's night, you find out that uh, somebody has manipulated these people or there's some sort of shared experience that some of them are having. Maybe there's even, you discover throughout the course of multiple nights that there is a second supernatural force uh, that is also possessing bodies and is like, wow, that's big and blue in an ethereal plane trying to reach you somehow because they recognize you have this ability. I love the the medium for storytelling always being like through someone else. That might be an interesting twist is that maybe your task is specifically to find this other entity. You get your regular, your group of regular patrons and then those who come in and out maybe once a week or maybe even more infrequently than that. And do you have to kind of observe the people that attend your bar and try to find, I guess, aberrations in the behavior that would, um, that would seem to signify this other possessing creature kind of yeah. taking control of them. And then once you finally find them, then you can perform some sort of a ritual to expel this other creature 
um, to the uh, whatever kind of great beyond. Yeah, maybe there's even something where anytime you come in contact with that creature as another individual, it sort of shoots you back into your own body. So you are taking over people in an effort to kind of um, suss out like and predict who it is and maybe even successfully avoid who it is to accomplish some larger goal. Yeah. So it's like a spy party in a way where, you know, it's all kind of a hidden identity game uh, that um, if this was a multiplayer thing, it'd be a bit more complicated on a narrative perspective. That would probably oversimplify what we could do with the narrative and would make it less interesting. But you could think of it as a multiplayer where you are playing against the computer. They're both trying to suss each other out and trying to keep a low profile while also being very observant of the people around you. It almost makes it feel a little bit like Spy Party, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess for this to work, you don't even necessarily have to be the bar owner. I was thinking if we wanted to spin this into something that was uh, a multiplayer-ish, um, making one of the characters the owner of the bar every time would make the other person's job much too easy. Yeah, right. Of course, they, they're going to know uh, at, at minimum where you're going to reset or whatever. They can just kind of, there could be a rotating cast of um, of the characters that come through the bar and it's kind of up to you to use what you know about the cast to... Um, yeah, to try to suss out the person who doesn't belong. Yeah, and I, I think if you make the the ways of articulation mostly movement and story focused, I, maybe there's something, once you get into multiplayer aspect of it, there's something more mechanical you can do. It's, oh, you didn't just reference this game hidden in plain sight, did you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure what that oh, okay. game is. I probably used the phrase, though. Okay, yeah, so the uh, the game Hidden in Plain Sight has these really interesting party game mechanics where it's essentially a room full of people who look exactly identical to each other, and 99% of the players are AI that are just moving around and behaving mm. like AI, but then there's also player characters, so it like encourages the player character to act like AI, as you know, as some games are now popularizing i thought that that that, i mean maybe that there's something to that as well like can you successfully just be a patron at this bar blend in like moss eisley spaceport or something if this was kind of an alien scenario then that would be it would throw some more wrinkles into the mix everyone wouldn't just be a human you have to account for what's normal for a species to do or what's normal for i don't know a uh, an entirely different culture that you're not a part of because it's entirely fictional yeah that's cool and i think that the other like aspect to this too is it now i almost want to like take it into a, a the thing hmm. <laughs> sort of like uh if uh if a person's like disguise is disrupted or something maybe you go like total recall and like your disguise <laughs> breaks apart and then there's some kind of chase sequence as well yeah kind of any character can turn into a huge, exploding, awful boss monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the idea is to, like, eventually get it, so, or maybe infect the correct number of people so that eventually there are no humans left. It's a little sexy. There is kind of an interesting idea in a detective game that's set on alien worlds. I think that might be a, a little bit of where Prey 2 was going before that was canceled. 
Uh, but um, yeah, having to interact with completely foreign cultures and, and races that don't exist and trying to detect subtle facial movements when you don't even really have a sense of how the face should be moving in the first place. It's kind yeah. of interesting having to study the people around you. Yeah, the ability to like maybe almost witness style, like press a button or hold a trigger and like zoom into a person's face and <laughs> and examine it. And I don't know what that, the experience for the other person might have to be something like, I'm thinking about some of those mini games that were in Fight Night where it's the screen is blurry and you're trying to like line up two joysticks that are fighting you. And as long as you can keep it mostly within the tolerance, then you like successfully can fool the person. But they're just always looking for that next twitch. Fight night. That's that's an interesting. Uh, I'm not that familiar with the series. So like, what is the uh, what is the specific mode that you're referencing? So Fight Night had all these different strange mechanics of like when you got knocked out, essentially, like how you could recover from that scenario. And um, so many of the like, so many of the mini games ended up being something akin to. Like, I think one of them was like running back into your body or something like that. Another one was like trying to, you know, literally correct your double vision uh, with sort of two joysticks articulating at the same time. So I could see, you know, if you could zoom in and really pay attention to that sort of detail on somebody's face, maybe there's a cool, yeah, a cool mechanic there to be found. (laughs) Interesting. Well, let's let's close that one down and uh, let's give it a title. And too bad the the name Inside is taken by a very good game. Because I'll steal a bad game's name, I don't care. You could reference both Pod People and Invasion of the Body Snatchers by calling it Invasion of the Potty Snatchers. Although, saying it out <laughs> loud, I don't think that really comes through. No, yeah, it was awful to hear, to be honest. <laughs> Ooh, ready for this? Literary. Possessive. <laughs> It's weird. It's, it's not It's not that funny, but I, I, I enjoy the way it sounds. Possessive. That's kind of cool. I'm warm into that. I like it. Let's call it that. Let's call it possessive. All right. I'm in. All right. Let's move now to the community. We have a uh, wealth of submissions now. We, uh, we thank you very much. Let's hear one from Angus Wood, who says, Hey, playwriters. Hope you're doing well. Personally, I'm a big Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines fan. And I'm dumbfounded as to why there hasn't been a sequel to that classic game from God knows how long ago. I hope you're familiar with this game because my pitch is simply creating a modern day open world reboot of this criminally overlooked franchise. Love the show. Thank you, Angus. And we will start right now. Moment of weakness. Save space. Tell me you know anything about Vampire the Masquerade (laughs) Bloodlines. I have kind of a a peripheral knowledge of uh, this game. I've definitely watched some reviews and I've been interested in it for a long time, but I've never played it. So uh, let's see what we can deduce from uh, the cultural osmosis over the years and uh, see if, if we can do better than the team who had invested years of work into uh, this specifically. <laughs> talking to you as I'm absorbing some gameplay of that, but it it also looks like there's something to... It almost, to me, reads as like a mass effect of being a vampire. Does that sound... I think that's fair, yeah. It's kind of one of those uh, 
speech-heavy, relationship-heavy RPG-type titles. The thing that I would love to see, and I would love to see a sequel to this game, especially one that maybe was a soft reboot so that I could just get into the whole thing. I think, like, there are so many things that are mechanically interesting about vampires, just even, like, down to how they feed, to, like, what their powers are and all that stuff. I think the the most recent entry in the series, uh, or vampire games of Vampire, mm-hmm. uh, recently kind of started tapping into, like, the morality around some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool to do a Mass Effect style game, maybe even a Mass Effect style trilogy, but set in maybe even three different time periods, right? So like three different ages in this vampire's life. Uh, of course, it kind of takes away mm-hmm. the risk of like, did they ever die in, in any of these or whatever? But, you know, your main character is not going to. But like you start off in the medieval times and you get through, you know, through modern, you get the full like uh, interview with a vampire experience. Yeah. Interview with the vampire was just thinking does have some really interesting additions to vampire lore. Um, you You see this kind of entire vampire society where, you know, they have certain laws to protect vampires from killing other vampires and uh the punishment for that would be essentially just being locked in a box or or you know bricked up behind a wall because you're kind of stuck there for potentially forever because you can't die and so there's yeah. something that's kind of like unendingly grim about that because you just you don't even get the the release of of death after a while and maybe this has always been canonically part of vampire fiction but the first time that i was introduced to the concept is uh in my rest in peace favorite old uh video game legacy of kane Mm -hmm. um (laughs) that uh it was really in in that game where i i got a strong sense of vampires over time become more and more gruesome and sort of bat-esque and animal-like. So if like throughout the series, like the, the Mass Effect way is like the Paragon Renegade, the more renegade you are, the more, you know, like a monster you become or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea of being able to watch a character over the centuries evolve and become more animalistic and with it getting maybe more and more extraordinary powers could tie very directly into a a level cap even or something you know there's i think there's cool rpg mechanics to milk there more than anything i want to find a really unique setting for this and i think the idea of doing something that is kind of set over potentially hundreds of years is interesting especially if you set it all within one city um, yeah. And so you can kind of see the the buildings change over time. Maybe there's ways to go back and forth through time. You can contextualize that as the vampire having uh, some sort of psychic powers that would allow you to kind of project yourself into the future. And then based on what you learned in the future, you can change things in the past. You go back to a less powerful form, but uh, you retain some of the knowledge and maybe some of the items or I don't know, whatever it was that you gathered in the future there there would be reasons to be going back and forth in time and um you know maybe you have a have a job something that would be really appropriate would be like a detective or something but something that would be kind of out there maybe you're just like maybe you just have like a firefighter job i don't know it doesn't matter 
<laughs> but this idea of like going through time and seeing a city kind of build up and fall around you and knowing that you can never die is, uh, yeah, it's, that's interesting. I don't feel like we quite found the hook just yet though. You know, so much of vampire history, as I'm watching some Angel right now Mm -hmm. uh, with Jessica, is kind of having those like entire episodes that maybe take place entirely in flashbacks. So maybe this is a person in an L.A. or a New York um, and they're kind of flashing back and it is the same space, but hundreds of years ago. Or if you do multiple games in the series, you are imagine being you know, in Boston for the revolution. Like it's almost like the ultimate uh, Ubisoft sort of (laughs) fantasy of like, okay, one game where we can do the disaster slash event um, locale tourism of the Boston Tea Party or, you know, the LA riots or, you know, something as like modern as who knows, like 9-11 or something where this person is like part of these events, or maybe you find out that this one vampire is like famous uncaught murderers uh, time and time again. That could be potentially interesting. Perhaps it would be a good uh, place to set this somewhere in like North Africa or the Middle East or something Mm. that you don't see as often. And so when you're watching some of these cities build up around you, you have kind of uh, so many points in history that you can witness I mean, you think about something like a place like Dubai that Mm -hmm. went from like relative desert to like largest skyscrapers in the world over the past, I mean, even the past 30 years has been pretty insane. Yeah. And how would that kind of affect the life or the, uh, the death (laughs) of a vampire (laughs) and, uh, watching that world rise up around you and maybe having some hand in how things develop. I I do like the idea of if we are able to somehow proceduralize the, the growth and evolution of a society to be able to see a version of the future, go back in time and change certain aspects of it. And then watch an a completely different culture evolve up around you. And then, you know, seeing what that looks like decades down the road and how, how widely things have branched. And I like the idea too of, and the Kane series plays with this a little bit, but the idea of being able to, let's say you're, you start the game part of a group of vampires, right? And for whatever reason, that vampire group slowly over time is splintering, it's developing factions, it's growing and shrinking, but like the vampires that you choose to help or hurt are the ones that you're going to see evolve and become these sort of elder vampires. And it's almost like a reverse version of the, um, the nemesis system from the Mordor games where you are, you're actually like part of helping, helping organize that stuff. And as people are taken down, they need to be replaced in the vampire hierarchy. And you're, you're seeing some grow old and, and new politics and groups develop because of like who's left alive. You can kind of balance the human hierarchy, which is relatively easy to disrupt as uh, kind of immortal and very powerful beings uh, versus the vampire hierarchy, which kind of operates in the shadows and, uh, often kind of crosses paths and intervenes in the human hierarchy in ways that are 
that you either want to um, want to help prop along, or you want to kind of squash uh, to keep them from interfering, or to keep them from uh, from steering society in a certain way. And so, while it's easy to interfere with the humans, you know, when a vampire, when another vampire does get involved, then that can be a bit more challenging to try to uh, steer the course away from where he or she wants it to go. If only, like, say, three times throughout the course of a game, a very controlled few amount of times, does a vampire have enough, maybe not cachet, but even just like life force or power to be able to turn someone into a vampire like that idea of that turning someone into a vampire is often in vampire fiction just like a choice and most of them choose not to do it constantly for i don't know what reason (laughs) either they don't want any more vampires or they some of them only want more vampires so the idea of it being something that like a vampire builds up to um, and you're creating those new recruits and you're maybe you're slowly replacing an entire body of politic with uh with your people um and that's that now we're coming at the other side of the nemesis system right it's kind of interesting well that's our 10 minutes on there i'm not sure we fully came up with a sequel to a much beloved game but (laughs) we at least have some ideas out there some things to chew on and to uh give people a starting place to to create um fictions of their own. Uh, We'd love to hear from you what you'd like to see from a game like this. And um, yeah, we can even turn those into further pitches, pitches within pitches. Anyways, let's come up with a name for that. Vampire. (laughs) Yeah, that's part of the series. We'd probably (laughs) maintain that portion of it. Yeah. Is the series just vampire? Is it also vampire... I think uh, Vampire Masquerade. the Masquerade is the like tabletop game that it's based on. Okay, so it must be Vampire the Masquerade. Now we have to have a killer word. Okay. I'm almost like thinking about board game references, and I think of like Pandemic, and I go Vampire the Masquerade Legacy or something like that. Legacy feels very generic. Very generic, very done. Ooh. Okay, here we go. We subvert a little bit. Vampire... World Masquerade. (laughs) (laughs) Insert a new word between vampire and its masquerade. That's not bad. Yeah. Maybe there's something like that. Elevates the scale in a way that I like. Uh, Yeah. Let's let's go for that. Vampire World Masquerade. It's um, almost like a theme park. The World of Masquerade. (laughs) Yeah. Massively multiplayer vampire game. Oh, damn. That's another pitch. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's close that down. Thank you very much for submitting that uh, from our friend Angus Wood. And if you would like to submit a pitch of your own, then you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can email us, playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise, and big shout-outs to our parent network, Kane and Rince, with great shows like the Kane and Rince Review Video Game Podcast, Sound of Play, it's the Video Game Music Podcast, and Kane and Rince presents The Sausage Factory. Learn about how games are made. 
right from the horse's mouth. And in this case, horses are usually designers and developers. Let's, uh, let's take us out of the show today with a miniature pitch. Let's try a game where you play a burglar breaking into famous palaces and trying to steal jewels, but by convincing people that you're actually the king or queen on your way out of the out of the palace. Wow, that's big and blue. All right, we'll see you next week. It's a little sexy. 